Welcome to Living a Sex Positive Life, where we can guarantee the topic will be about sex. We'll talk about the good and the bad, the health and healing benefits, the adventures, the relationships, as well as the crimes and the tragedies. Our mission is to educate, entertain, and just talk about that touchy subject that affects us all, sex. Now here's your host, Angelique Luna. Good evening, everyone. It's Angelique here, and I'm here with my husband and co-host, John C. Luna. Hello, everyone. And tonight we have a treat. We have Sherry Shalouz. Oh, God, I just <laughs> messed up the, la- the last name already. I forgot to check that. Darn! <laughs> How do you pronounce it, Sherry? It's Shalouz. Shalouz, okay. Yeah. See, I-, I-, I just love bloopers here. <laughs> is a senior editor at AVN Media Network where she has been writing about porn and sex toys for 10 years. She holds a degree in professional writing and editing from Youngstown State University. Prior to her move into adult, Shaw has served as a reporter editor for a number of newspapers and magazines throughout the country. During her time in the industry, she has been featured in a number of TV shows, podcasts, magazines, and newspaper articles about the adult industry, as well as panelists for a number of trade shows and conferences. You can find her on Twitter at avnshare or at avn.com. Welcome and thank you for being on the show. We appreciate this, Sherry. Thank you. I'm very excited about it. Thank you. So tell us how you go from, you know, career writer in college to writing for AVN. How does that work? Actually, the story goes back to when I was in college. I grew up in a small town in Northeast Ohio and went to a small, what was then a commuter school, and kind of fell into journalism. Originally, I was going to be a pharmacist. So I went my freshman year and took my first chemistry class and failed it miserably. So I was like, all right, well, this isn't going to work. So I was trying to figure out what I wanted to do, what I wanted to be. And in the meantime, I was taking English classes because they were very easy and blow off and ended up working at the student newspaper at the college. And one day, all of us were sitting around and talking about what our dream jobs would be. So I worked with one guy. He wanted to work at the alternative weekly newspaper in Pittsburgh, and he is now the editor of Pittsburgh Weekly. And another friend wanted to work for the Wall Street Journal, and she did. She moved and worked in D.C. and actually ended up working for the Wall Street Journal and then for thestreet.com, which is a financial website. Um, and then I said, well, not me. I'm going to move to Hollywood and write about porn for ABN. <laughs> so just said it because I was just being a smart aleck. And uh uh, you know, it wasn't like a, an actual career goal or anything like that. I was just saying it to be funny. Well, fast forward, I worked at newspapers in, oh gosh, Ohio, West Virginia, Pennsylvania, Texas. And then I found myself in Northern California. I was in Sacramento. And I was the editor of about eight weekly newspapers there. And absolutely hated it. Hated it. <laughs> um, so I spent about two, two and a half years there, and I said, if I stay here any longer, I'm going to end up killing someone. That's not going to be good for my career, so I need to find another job. And I went onto a job hunter's website for journalists and saw a listing that said they were looking for an editor in Chatsworth. Now, at the time, I knew. I was like, well, I know what they do in Chatsworth. I know what they make there. They make dirty movies. So I clicked on it, and sure enough, it was for ADN. So I decided I had to apply. A um, couple of weeks and a couple of interviews later, and they hired me. 
Now, the problem was is that I thought they were hiring me for ABN magazine, that I was going to write about the performers and the movies and, you know, the studios and things like that. I actually got hired for, at the time, they had a publication called ABN Online, which covered the Internet side of the industry, which I knew nothing about. And I found myself writing about affiliate programs and websites and, you know, cash programs and you know, traffic flows and ad buying and all this, and I honestly thought they had hired the wrong person. I went home <laughs> crying every day for two weeks. Aww, I was like, that's, that's so stupid. But one day it clicked, and uh, so I, they, they stuck it out with me, and just like every other publication, we've gone through layoffs and, you know, people, attrition and things like that, but um, here it is. And years later, and I am now the uh, person who's in charge of the adult novelty section of ABN magazine. So I cover all things sex toys. And then I also am. I'm involved in the uh, nominations process for our ABN awards every year, which highlight the best movies and performers. So not a boring job at all and a pretty unique one. So I'm happy with it. Extremely unique. It's like, you know, you don't grow up and say, I want that job because no one really hears about it. You know, they just see, <laughs> yeah. you know, the film portions of it or the toys, but not the writers or the contributors who actually no. explain things. Yeah. But behind the scenes. And we're a trade magazine. We actually, um, ABN got started in 1983. So we are a trade magazine that gets sent to adult retailers throughout the country and North America. And we have some European readership as well. So we're more kind of, I describe us as, um, we're like a sexy version of the business journal, <laughs> you know, so, or, you know, the wall street journal for porn. That's kind of what we are. But, um, so I do, you know, it's, it's a lot of writing about, you know, the latest materials or, um, you know, what colors are new or, you know, what technological advances are coming this year in, um, sex toys. But, I also get to review them, too. So so that's a lot of fun. Everybody I know, like everybody I went to high school with, A, never thought I'd be this person, and B, wants my job. So <laughs> I'm like, well, you can't have it. Well, I guess you got to be careful what you put out to the universe because it obviously is listening. Uh... <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's what it might take 20 years. It might take 20 years, but you're going to get what you put out there. So... Wow. So you've seen a, a, a lot of change over the years. I mean, you've said you've been doing this for 10 years now? Oh, my gosh, yes. When I started, um, a lot of the toys were still, like, that was when uh, the big phthalate scare was just, you know, everybody was just like, oh, we don't want phthalates in our sex toys and this and that and the other. So the industry voluntarily did away. Phthalates are the, uh, the uh, softeners that are used to make plastics pliable and bendable and things like that. And there were a lot of, you know, softer, bendable jelly toys at the time. And now it's silicone is the standard, and there's many more colors than just pink and purple. And um, like I said, you know, I remember the, I was when I turned 18, I was so excited to go to a sex shop. And the very first vibrator that I got was a jelly one, and then I got one of those, I always call them just the torpedo style. It's that straight <laughs> plastic... Yep, it looks like a torpedo. It's like straight plastic. And that was like high-end cutting edge back in the late 80s. Well, now, it's, you know, every time I think I've seen it all when it comes to sex toys, somebody creates something new. Good or bad, 
somebody creates something new. So now, I mean, these things talk to my phone or they can talk to somebody else's phone across the country or, you know, and I can have a complete stranger in Indonesia control my vibrator. Oh, wow. Yeah. Ten years ago, nobody ever thought that that would have been a consideration or a possibility or anything like that. But that's where we are now. So, and I'm excited to see what the next 10 years bring with virtual reality and, you know, just the way that the computers and technology is advancing. It's, it's mind boggling. So I'm looking forward to it. Well, yeah, it is interesting walking into a, uh, a sex uh, store, uh, boutique is what they call them now these days. I love it. And it used yeah. to be, you know, 50 to maybe 70 to $80 toys. And that was a big end. And now I'm actually mm-hmm. looking at like a, you know, the $250 remote vibrator made of stainless steel and silicone crafted by a guy who used to work at NASA. And I'm actually considering oh. buying it is what's weird. Buying it, yeah. <laughs> well, it's not weird at all. I mean, it is. It's an investment. It's an investment in your, your body, your sexual health, your sex life. So, you know, and in the long the long game, you know, it's really kind of worth the investment because that vibrator could very well last longer than your car. <laughs> so, or your relationship. You know, like that, yeah, it's now in your relationship. So when you break it down, like cost per use, it's not as much. So it sounds like a lot to shell out in the beginning. But, I mean, I did – I got to see uh, Lalo had created – I think it was a um, – oh, what was it? The Inez, I think it was. And it was a $15,000 gold Whoa. vibrator. So, yeah, um, you know. And, and I'm in Vegas right now, actually, visiting Vegas, and I know that it's sold at some of the hotels here. Hotels sell that to their customers, and there are people who have actually bought them. So I don't know if I could go 15000 but why wouldn't that be nice to own? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, I haven't been able to convince them to send me one for review. So. Exactly, but how do you clean that? that that's my main concern. It's like... More importantly, does it have a special place in the bedroom, like a little a little cabinet to itself now? That... I would think it needs to be on a, on a pedestal encased in, like, like on a museum display. It needs its own little spotlight and, you know. I, but I would think if you could spend $15,000 on one vibrator, you could probably afford to pay somebody to polish it and, you know, guard it for you. So. That's very true. <laughs> yeah. I like that idea. I think it should be like on a museum display in your bedroom. You know, spotlight on it, encased in glass, not on a nice pedestal, covered in velvet. Yes, that would be perfect. Yeah, nice little uh, handprint identification to unlock it, just in case someone <laughs> ever gets. <laughs> no, retina. Do the whole like yeah, Mission Impossible eyeball something, you know? <laughs> do it that way. <laughs> Actually, we probably just came up with a really good commercial for them. <laughs> Because I could see James Bond-ish walking through through the hotel or the the, the mansion, going up, putting the uh, uh, hand on, getting the eye uh, uh, the eye right scanner, now. and then pulling out yeah. the fifteen thousand dollar gold plated device. <laughs> mm-hmm. There you go. Maybe Philly is, uh, from Lalo is listening. I hope he is. If he is, then I think we he should hire us to do this commercial for them. Uh, I volunteer. <laughs> Volunteerish <laughs> tribute. <laughs> Well, the truth is, yes, the toys have come a, a, a long way, and it is one thing I'm always amazed at is is the stores are now more more focused towards women, as well as all the writing is more towards women because they're doing, as I understand it, most of the purchasing. 
Yes, that, and that's a change from just 10 years ago. That was starting to take place when I started. And we did. We wrote article after article about, okay, here's how to make your store women and couples friendly. You know, And it was everything from you know, mop floors, because gross, um, you know, <laughs> but also to change the lighting. We used to call the old style, I still call them um, the raincoater stores. This oh. is how I refer to them. Raincoater yeah. stores. It's the, you know, the guy hunched over and in the raincoat and the sunglasses and everything, and he just kind of forks over the money and buys the torpedo style vibrator. But and puts it know, in a once, paper bag and runs out, and you never see him again. Runs <laughs> out, yeah. And and that's the thing is that ten, even up ten, ten years ago, it was men who were doing the majority of sex toy purchases. So the packaging featured a lot of scantily clad women, and you know. Or it was very kind of basic design. And then we, you know, Susan Colvin really kind of got into the game with Cal Exotics. And then we had Sookie Dunham from Oh My Bod. And um, just company after company started coming along who were not only owned by, they were companies not only owned by women, but the toys were being designed by women, um, which I think that's what changed everything. When women started designing the toys and the packaging, and started saying, you know, okay, we want more colors, we want more functions, we have a clitoris, let's pay attention to that, you know. Um, when women started getting involved, that's when the industry really changed, and stores realized that they needed to start welcoming women and couples into their stores, or they weren't going to make it, they were not going to survive. And thankfully, they many of them learned that lesson quickly. So, And, and there's still a lot of changing now, it's like, okay, you know, they finally started welcoming in women. And then it's like, well, guess what? There are a lot of gay and lesbian couples out there that want to come and shop in your store. So make them feel welcome and comfortable. And now we're telling them, you know, there are trans toys that, you know, you may, might not think that you have that audience or that client base, but you do. They might not be telling you that. But if you, it's, it's a very much a case of if you sell it, they will come. Well, and it's a niche out there. Then. I'm sorry, go ahead. Go ahead. Oh, no, no, no. I'm pretty much done. <laughs> I was just saying it's a niche out there that I don't think I've really seen many people even attempt to penetrate as a market. And yeah. I've never actually thought of a trans toy before. But being, in, being in Orlando, the population around, uh, around here is, is above average for the rest of the country, I would believe. Not quite San Francisco, but above average. Yeah. And I don't, I don't see anything. Well, the idea is that for most um, male to female transsexuals, um, a lot of them, they do keep their penis. So there's plenty of toys out there for penises. There's, you know, there's strokers, there's masturbators, there's prostate stimulators and things like that <clears throat> for the male to female. For the female to male, um, there wasn't as much. And actually last year, um, I don't know if you're, if you're aware of the performer Buck Angel. Oh, yes. A female Yes. Buck worked with a company, a manufacturer called Perfect Fit, um, Perfect Fit Brand, and they created the very first sex toy designed specifically for the female-to-male transgender body. And it's, it's a, a little um, modified kind of masturbator stroker for, you know, women who have trans, you know, who've retained their vaginas and their clitoris, but you know, are going through some of the changes because of the hormones and things like that. The very first toy 
that was developed for FTM transsexuals. And it actually won um, an award. We at AVN, we have the AVN Awards for the movies, but we also host the O Awards, which recognize the best new products and best new sex toys of each year. And it won for um, it won an O Award last year. So, and it was well deserved. So, and you know, and that's the thing is that now, like I said, just like women came in and started designing sex toys, now. You know, we have Buck Angel stepping in and saying, well, I'm going to design sex toys for transgender people who are female to male because that's what I am. I just wrote a story the other day about a new um, vibrator called the Shishi Union, and it's from NS Novelty, and it was designed by a lesbian specifically for lesbian couples. And it's it's meant to – it's almost like um, a two-sided vibrating egg. And both vibrate, and it's designed for when two women are scissoring, that they can both feel the vibrations and enjoy that. The traditional toy, usually only one of them can feel the vibrations because it's very straight. This is rounded like an egg, and it was designed by a lesbian specifically for lesbians. So, and that's, I think, the next wave is that we're going to see more and more designers of different um, gender identities stepping in and saying, this is the toy that I want. I can't find it. I'm going to make it. Wow. That is a lot of good changes in the industry there. And and do you always see like those changes like in waves every year or every couple years? I mean, because you've been in it. Yeah. It's funny because it's like thinking back, I'm like, oh, you know, like I said, phthalates were the big thing 10 years ago. And, (laughs) you know, now it's just like, no, everybody knows. Don't use phthalates, you know? Um, I think every year, yeah, there is something. There seems to be trends. Um, you know, one year it was, uh, there was a lot of innovation in male masturbators and male strokers because all of a sudden Fleshlight came along and said, you know what, if we put these little pockets around and put little bullet vibrators in there, we can add vibration to the Fleshlight. Well, now you have, you know, Hot Octopus and you know, Fleshlight has gone even further. Um, they've combined with Kiru, and, you know, now you can have a Fleshlight that you just kind of sit there and hold it, and it does all the work for you. You don't have to even have to do anything, you can, but you can hook it up, and it will sync to videos. So you can watch an adult video, and the, the Fleshlight with the Kiru case will do the work for you and mimic what's going on on the screen. So, you know... And, and that's the thing is it, it seems like there's – somebody will come up with something, and it's just like any other industry, any other invention, any other innovation. Somebody will see it and go, I can do that better or I can do that different. So there are a lot of waves of things like that. So, And I love trying to spot the trends as they're kicking off. <laughs> so, That's so awesome. You're such a trendsetter yeah, there. <laughs> to the details and that's you know like i said i start noticing you know there was one year where um it was just new colors were all the rage and like i said another year it was everything was silicone um there was one year where it seemed like every manufacturer out there was producing a glass toy um and and there are some manufacturers some of the bigger ones that will you know produce something and then it falls by the wayside but there are some small manufacturers that that is their lifeblood that is their that's the whole reason for being, I think, sometimes. These people are so passionate about what they do. Um, some of the best glass bugs I've ever seen are from a, a company called Crystal Delight. 
And you would think, okay, well, it's a glass anal plug. What can you do with it? She amazes me. I mean, there's been Swarovski crystals in there. She has um, designed one that looks like a torch with a flame. It's a glass flame coming up. Um, there's Now she has this whole, um, there's removable bunny tails or removable ponytails. Um, and, of course, anybody who knows me knows that I'm all about unicorns, have been. And so she has now, it's a unicorn tail. And it's this beautiful pastel horse tail that comes out. And I love it. It's gorgeous. But, you know, that's what I said. Just when you look at something and you're like, oh, my gosh, what exactly can you do with, a, you know, a glass anal plug? She blows my mind every time she comes out with something new. Has she sent you the uni- unicorn tail yet? Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> am I not surprised? (laughs) (laughs) Shelly knows me very well. She's like, I think you'll like this. I'm like, yes, I do. (laughs) As long as the boyfriend's kid doesn't find it, we're all good. (laughs) (laughs) Sounds like you have like a whole room dedicated for all these toys that you had to test and write. Well, it's funny because, like I said, I do. I write a lot more for retailers. So, you know, a lot of my reviews are a lot more where it's like, okay, it, it, it is powerful or it has these nice functions that separate this from, you know. So a lot of the times I don't ha- actually have to use the toys. I just take them out. Um, my job is part, I get to play part mad scientist <laughs> because um, there's sometimes when somebody will tell me, oh, well, this dildo is 100% silicone. And I'm like, really? Let's test that out, <laughs> you know. And so I... I light, I set fire to sex toys. I cut them up. Um, I boil dildos on the stove in, you know, hot water. And so I've done a lot of those where I do, you know, a lot of kind of testing the claims that people make, um, you know, checking to see if the colors will boil, you know, making sure that it is safe to put on the top rack of the dishwasher. I'm so picturing the adult dog- version of Mythbusters. Where they take it's exactly the exactly what it is. <laughs> yep, it's exactly what it is. But um, but then that's my job. Is that I am? It's my job to write reviews that tell retailers, here's how you can sell these items to com- to consumers. Here's you know the features that it has. Here's the colors that it comes in. Here's why you know. Here's the types of batteries that it uses. Um, here's the type of lubricant you want to upsell it with. You know. Because that's the whole idea is that you want to get people to buy, buy more than just the toy. It's like, oh, buy the toy and then get the batteries or get a storage case or get, um, you know, a foaming cleaner, you know. So that's, that's the kind of reviews that I write. So oftentimes, you know, when a company says, hey, we have this new vibrator and it comes in six colors. And here, Sherry, here's all six colors. So I get six vibrators at once. So one, I'll cut up, I'll test, I'll put the batteries in, you know, all that. And then the other five, um, a lot of times, you know, I'll save to give to people. Friends, like I said, everybody, I know more about the people, the sex lives of people I went to high school with than any normal person ever should. But, oh, God. If, but, you know, if they can tell me about that and I can help them find the right toy or, you know, if I have the right toy for them, I'm all for that. And then a lot of times, too, like I said, I save everything because, um, we have a voting committee for the O Awards. So, you know, we get together and I will send them toys to try and, you know, they test them out and things like that. So that's what a lot of it is. But, yeah, I do usually have a stash 
Um, you know, it's funny because they always say most people store their sex toys in the nightstand drawer. Mine are in the nightstand drawer. They're in the closet. They're in the garage. They're in a, a metal cabinet at work. So my sex toy collection is quite extensive. <laughs> so I'm very blessed in that regard. We, we're, 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 yeah, we've gotten there. I can't even hide that. <laughs> um, and we, well, I got a text one day. And you were at, what was that, TJ Maxx? Yeah, TJ Maxx there. And they had like this big silver and leather trunk that were like, oh my God, it's perfect to put all our toys. And it has locks. Exactly. That's even better. That's even better. (laughs) So, yeah, that's, I do a pretty good job of hiding all of my stuff. Like I said, I mean, I know um, a lot of people, that's their concern. You know, if the kids are going to find their stuff. And like I said, my boyfriend has a, a daughter. She's nine now. So we've been together for six, almost seven years. So she has occasionally found a movie sitting out. She finds her dad's stuff more than mine, you know, like, which, you know, so, I, but I'm the one that I can think quickly on my feet and come up with the explanation or the lie that we need to tell her you know when she finds the big bottle of blue but i'm like oh no that's a special lotion that daddy needs to put on his skin it's for grown-ups only you can't use it <laughs> you know <laughs> good call you know, she finds yes i'm i'm in the queen of this and we just went through this last night somebody uh we were having a conversation and somebody mentioned ron jeremy and she goes who's ron jeremy I said, well, he's an older actor who also thinks he's a very funny comedian, but he's not. And they were like, best description I've ever heard. <laughs> and I adore Ron. But I was like, ew, the nine-year-old does not know, need to know who Ron Jeremy is. So. Well, it does but, help. Yeah. A lot of more sex toys are looking, um, I will say, almost camouflage. Because we do have yeah. the, uh, the – it is glass, and it is a, mm-hmm. uh, a toy – but it looks like a rose. It's a glass rose. And we realized we could yeah, put that yeah. as a centerpiece and no one in the family would know any better. But it is, exactly. That's the trend that I love too, is that things are, not everything is, uh, is a very phallic shape any, anymore. You know, there are still those because there are people who appreciate that and like that and, and want that, especially if you're using a dong and a harness or something like that. You want the look and the feel to be as real as possible. But I love the fact that so many sex toy designers have gotten on board and said it doesn't need to look like a penis to provide great sensation. So those are, you know, yeah, I'm, I'm on board with you with those. But those are some of my favorite toys, the ones that don't look like sex toys, but still knock your socks off. Totally love those. Well, one thing on our purchase list, and we will be passing by mm-hmm. Atlanta in four weeks, so this may happen. <laughs> Is liberator. Uh, liberator. Yes. yes. <laughs> yes. We, we we're not a spo- they don't sponsor us, but we got to stop by there in December, and they had uh-huh. the big couch with the video playing next to it, and then all the different things you can do, like what color leather do you want? Do you want studs at the bottom? Do you want hooks on the bottom? Do you want this? And what we realized was the studs matched our furniture that we currently have, so we could. And yeah, their stuff can sit out in the living room. I have a friend. They have the new, um, the Ethics, the or the Equus Wave is one of their new purchase is, is one of their new products, and it looks like it's two cushions, 
but they're curved, and so they can fit together to look like a bench. They're this beautiful wine Merlot color. He has them sitting in his living room. He's like, my grandson crawls around on them, but he was like, well, as long as he doesn't know what you're using it for, you're okay. But, yeah, he said, you know, it's, it can double as extra seating in the living room. So, And a lot less yeah, inconspicuous. Yeah, you know. A lot less conspicuous yeah. than actually setting up the St. Andrew's cross against your wall in the living room. You know, it blends. It's nice. Exactly. <laughs> or, you know, hanging hanging the sex swing from the, you know, it's like, oh, no, that big hook, that's just for plants. You know, we have a really big spider plant. So, no, it's mommy's yoga, you know, aerial swing. That's what it is. <laughs> there you Yeah. See, see, you know. You know how to, you got to think quick on your feet. So, you know, I will. When she did the one thing of mine, she did find was the uh, the magic wand. She said, "What's this?" And I said, "The back and neck massager." And the boyfriend was like, "That's a really good one." And I said, "But technically, what it was designed for?" I said, "It's just you know, we women were smart and found other ways to use it." So. Well, like you said, the marketing has changed because if you go to a Walgreens or a CVS now, they do have a sexual health section, and in there exactly. They do have several back massagers. So, mm-hmm. mm-hmm. They're starting to sell actual sex toys and vibrators now, too, because people are starting to understand that sexual health, you know, we're, you know, people are starting to get on the bandwagon of understanding that it's not just your physical health. It's not just your body. There's also mental health that plays a big role in your life. Now they're starting to figure out and understand, too. And physicians, like, you know, medical people, a lot of people are starting to come on board and understand that your sexual health can really help improve your overall being and your overall life. And that's what I love. You know, we, we do the story every year about, oh, has sex gone mainstream? Have sex toys become accepted by the masses? And we're finally getting to that point where you can walk into a Target and buy an actual vibrator right next to the condoms and the lubricant. I, that's fantastic. I'm, I'm so excited for the next generation because, like I said, my first visit when I was 18, this was 1988, um, <laughs> all those years ago, <laughs> but uh, I did. I had to go into a store, and it had the peep show booths in the back, and trust me, I love those. But, you know, the floors were sticky, and the lighting was bad, and the selection was nothing. And, you know, now where it's like, oh, I'm going to run to Walmart, and I need to get, you know, toilet paper and cereal and, you know, a oil filter for the car and a vibrator. Who doesn't love that? We've come a long way from the days of being embarrassed because the only place you could buy condoms was the the pharmacy. And now you can uh, – wonderful – buy sex toys at a Walmart. Yeah, or, or oh, the coin-operated machines in the truck stop bathroom. Oh. That might have just been my small town. <laughs> no, no, that that was, I remember those road trips back in, in the day because I grew up in Chicago. We used to drive down to Mexico, and we used to see all those things. And I just kind of yeah. asked, it's like, oh, what was that? It's like, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so, and that's what I love, too, is that the, the shame is disappearing. Mm-hmm. And I think that's the greatest, the greatest trend of all is that if people – and I, it's funny because I do. I, I embarrass a lot of people in my family because they tell me they're like, know your audience. But I'm like, you know, why should I be embarrassed to talk about sex? Why should I be embarrassed to talk about 
what I do for a living, and why should I be embarrassed to talk about sex toys? You know, if like I said, if I can help somebody find the right toy that's going to make them happy, you know, orgasms are great for you. They help improve blood flow. They help improve, you know, your mental status. They make you feel better. You release endorphins and hormones and things like that. Like, if I can help somebody do that, what's wrong with that? You know, there are much worse things I could be doing in my life. So, <laughs> you are doing Although a huge gets, service. Yeah. Although my brother does hate the fact that I like had to sit down with my mom and have the vibrator talk with my mom because I was like, "What do you need? What are you looking for?" You know, he was just mortified. I think it was because I did it at like Thanksgiving dinner, but whatever. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, yeah, that I could see mortified at Thanksgiving dinner at the table there. But not so much like any other conversation. I'm like, seriously, why? But yeah, having yeah. the rest of the family listen in, that's when you're just like, ah. <laughs> yeah. So, no, you know, it's fine. You got over it. <laughs> so. so how was your family when you first told them you got the job at AVN? How, how did they react? You know, it's funny because I did. I told my mom um, when I applied and when I first got called for the first interview, I was like, listen, I said, you know, this is something I'm seriously considering doing. And she was like, oh, it'll be the end of your career. You know, because I, like I said, I had worked in newspapers before and I did, I was everything. I was a sports reporter. I was an entertainment reporter. Um, you know, I was a cops and courts reporter and you know, and, and, and rightfully so. She was a little nervous. She's like, you know, if you get into porn, even in this area, you'll never be able to get another job. Well, the funny thing is, is that and when I worked in newspapers, the longest I had ever stayed at any job was four and a half years. I've now been at AVN 10 years. So I'm wow. Like, I'm not going anywhere. Yeah, I, I love it. Um, and like I said, even working at AVN has gotten more mainstream. You know, um, it's not, it's not a shady publication. It's not, you know, a bad thing. It is something that you could have out on your coffee table. And like I said, it is, it's much more business oriented. It's much more geared toward retailers as opposed to the fans and things like that. But now, you know, I, I laugh because my mom, I'm, I'm honestly, I'm 48, I'm 47 years old. I'm getting closer to 48 every minute, but, uh, Every once in a while, I will write a story or, you know, break a news story that ends up being covered in the mainstream, um, whether it's a new sex toy or, a, you know, a celebrity did this or anything like that. My mom still will print out articles because she can't show them at work. She can't call them up on her computer at work. So she'll print them from her computer at home to take in to show the people that she works with, the stories that I write. So, oh, that's a proud mother. She's such, a, she's such a good mom. So, yeah, so she still does that. She's like, look at what my baby did. And, like, you know, it's like getting a good gold star with the A and hanging it on the fridge. So, <laughs> you know, my, mom, my mom's always been very, very supportive. And uh, my whole family has, like I said. I mean, anybody who knows me, like, if they're not – I don't think that they would have thought this would have been my first career choice. But, you know, when they hear me talk about it and see how passionate I am about this industry – and how much I love it, all aspects of it, the performers, the, the sex toys, the websites, you know, all of it, then they're, they're like, you know what, it makes sense. Like, it, I'm totally the type of person that would have this career and have this particular job. So I'm very lucky. And I'm also of a mindset now, too, where, you know, if you're too prudish or you don't agree with it, maybe you're not the kind of person I want to have in my life anyway. 
So it all works out. <laughs> yeah, wow. It makes me, yeah. Uh, all my friends now, they're like, you may be so popular at the PTA meetings because they're always like, well, you know, my friend Sherry, who works in porn, <laughs> you know, so I'm a great conversation piece for everybody. <laughs> I could tell there, you know, going to the PTA meetings and everything, it's like they'll probably pull you to side. It's like, hey, what would you suggest for this? And you end up to be their therapist, even though you write about sex toys. <laughs> yes, it's exactly what happens. It's, it's really funny because, you know, I do. I go, you know, the, the, the little girls, the boyfriend's daughter's friends and their parents and stuff like that, they're like, hey, we're thinking of getting a sex toy and what's a good one? And, you know. I've actually got this uncanny ability where if you tell me, you know, oh, my friend wants a sex toy. It's like, well, tell me their age, their sex, you know, how old are they, what relationship status. You know, I ask a few quick questions. I'm like, okay, here, try this. And then they, I end up hearing back, and they're like, they loved the toy. So I'm like the Karnak of sex toys. You answer a few questions for me, and I can give you the best sex toy for you. <laughs> Oh my god, it's almost like you should write a book based on, okay, if you go through this, then this is your toy you need to go to. The Sex Toys Chronicles, there we go. Yeah, there you go, yeah. It's like, okay, you know what, it's like that, what were those, uh, uh, the write your own, or not write your own endings, but the, uh, what were those books that carry the book? Ooh, where it's choose, like, oh, you come to this, yeah, choose your own choose adventure. Choose your own adventure, yeah. yep. Yeah, I love I them. Do that. Where it's like, okay, I'll do a choose your own adventure, and then you get to the end. It's like, okay, if you want this path, this is the sex play you need. <laughs> <laughs> totally. Uh, what is it? Live action role playing, LARPing? <laughs> <laughs> totally. Yeah, there's, okay. People have been telling me for years to write a book. Now I know what to write. <laughs> so, thank you. <laughs> Well, you're welcome. We're glad we could contribute here. I'm just having so much fun just learning about everything that you've gone and experienced and done. It's like, wow. Yeah. So, like I said, it's not a boring life. And, and that's the one thing I, I never wanted was a boring life. So I'm having more fun and enjoying this part of my life and my career than I have any other time. So I'm very, very lucky. Awesome there. Now, have you ever been like starstruck with any celebrity there in your line of work? Oh, performer wise. Um, Just anybody. It could be non-performer or anything. So, yeah. You know what? Honestly, there have been a couple. Um, One of my first ones was the owner and the founder of AVN, Paul Fishbein. Um, when I first started, because when I was in college, I did a lot of, um, I became very passionate about First Amendment, um, learning the history of it, learning, you know, the cases that have come before the court, um, you know, learning the laws, so, you know, centered around the First Amendment. And that was very important to me as a journalist. And, you know, I was also fascinated by people who were innovators in the field of journalism. And Paul Fishbein was one of those. He, you know, basically, he studied as a journalist. Um, he was originally from Philadelphia. That's where AVN got its start. And he owned an um, adult bookstore. And so, you know, people would come in, or actually it was just a video rental place is what it is. He had a video rental place, and then people would come in and go to the one, you know, you remember the curtained-off section of your, you know, local video store where all the adult movies were. And mm-hmm. people would bring out the they would bring out the VHS tapes and they go, 
hey, is this one any good? And God loves Paul. He's like, I have no idea. So it's <laughs> like, there's nothing out there to tell anybody, well, here's what this movie is about. You know, here's what type of sex they're having in it. Here's, you know, who's in it. Here's what, you know, if there's a plot, here's the plot of it. So he started the very first issue of ABN was actually um, stapled together eight and a half by 11 mimeographed sheets of paper. That's wow. the very first issue of AVN. Yeah. <laughs> and now it's this glossy, you know, full color magazine and things like that. But he saw a niche that needed to be filled. We're um, in January. We're hosting. It's the um, 35th anniversary of the AVN Awards. And the very first awards were just Paul going, okay, here it is in the magazine. There was no ceremony. There were no trophies. <laughs> they just printed a list of, like, I think 10 or 12 categories. And they were like, oh, of all the movies that came out this past year, here's, like, the 12 best in these different categories. Now, I mean, our, our awards show is recorded and it's shown on Showtime every year. It's a big event. I mean, people, we have a red carpet that lasts for, like, three hours. Um, yeah, I've watched it more than once. Yeah, mainstream celebrities come and they want tickets to the show. Um, you know, we have musical numbers and big production values. And we have, I think, it, it's more than 100 categories now. We have more than 100 categories that we give out the AVN Awards each year. And, you know, that's the thing. Like I said, we, you go from an eight-page mimeograph newsletter, essentially, to this, like I said, this big magazine and one of the best award shows in Vegas every January. Talking so. about started something small and it just and ending you up in a place you never expected. Yeah, yeah, and you know Paul doesn't own the company anymore, but he's still involved with the industry and some different projects and things like that. And and that's what I said. I mean, I was starstruck when I for my very first day, and I will never forget the very first time that he recognized me in one of the office hallways and he said, hello, Sherry. And I almost passed out. I was like, oh my God, Paul Fishbein knows my name. So, you know, <laughs> but he and another one of my First Amendment idols is Larry Flint. I was almost brought to tears the very first time I got to meet Larry Flint in person. Wow. He was funny and charming. And this is a man who literally took a bullet for First Amendment rights in this country. Um, you know, he, he he has paid a physical price to protect the First Amendment rights of everyone in this country. And so, yeah, the first time I met him, I was just, I was giddy and fangirled everywhere. So, so those are two of the biggest ones. Yeah, it would, be, it would be Paul and Larry. Those are my two big idols. So I don't so, think I'll ever make the impact the two of them made, but, you know. Oh, I don't know. Their company. Yeah. <laughs> It sounds like you're there, girl. I mean, seriously, with all the community service you do to all your family and parents and, you know, people back in school and teaching them what to use the best sex toy. Yeah, you're doing a huge community yeah. service. I'll, I will see how this choose your own adventure books go. So maybe, <laughs> <laughs> maybe that'll be what really puts me on the map. <laughs> so I can have a worse legacy. <laughs> so. But yeah, so those are those are my two big big idols. So we we we've like I said been in the industry not that long. We've been attending conventions and all, 
But uh, mm-hmm. just a little story. We got to meet. Um, let's see. We went to what was that? It was. It, it was. Uh, oh, the X Games. Yeah. And this was wonderful. Oh but yeah. We went down there, and uh, uh, we ended up doing some work with them. And at night, we went out, and we ended up hanging out with Evan Stone. And he was he, the first performer I met. He's the very first performer I ever met. We hung out at a club for a couple hours, and then we're getting ready to leave. He was the friendliest guy ever, and he runs over, and he, I'm like, okay, good, you know, goodbye, and I expect a little wave. He runs over and hugs me, and I'm like, yep. okay, that's it. This sealed the deal. You're awesome. And then he this, walked us out of the club, too, and wished us luck and everything. We're like, oh, my God, this is super cool. I have never yeah. had anyone, you know, like I said, you walk into a club, that we'll say that famous, um, <laughs> take such good care of people he just met. I mean, just a very naturally yeah. friendly guy. And, uh, and that's the thing is that he is very down to earth. And it's funny because I, I became friends with him, friendly with him and things like that. And, you know, we would hang out outside of events related to the industry and stuff like that. And then it got a little weird because I was like, um, you're my friend. I can't watch you get naked and have sex. <laughs> <laughs> but then I got over that real quick. And I'm like, ooh, Evan's in this. Yay. <laughs> So, yeah, you have to get over that real quick in this industry. Is that it's like you do, you become friends. And I think that's the one thing, like, you know, and people think about celebrities too. I live in Los Angeles, so I see quote unquote famous people all the time. And my career, like I said, you know, I was, I, I covered politics and I've met presidents and I've met movie stars and rock stars and things like that. And, and porn performers are the same thing. They're just normal, regular people, you know. They have pets. They have kids. They, you know, are going to college. They're trying to figure out, you know, what to defrost to make for dinner tonight, you know. They're no different than the rest of us. But they just, their career involves, you know, taking their clothes off and having sex on camera. Well, big deal, you know. I just figure they're a lot gutsier than most of us are because, you know, they're willing to put themselves out there. And, and take risks and do things like that purely for our entertainment and, and enjoyment. God love those people. There's no reason to look down on that or, or think less of them or anything like that. They're just the nicest. And I'll tell you what, you know, like I said, I've dealt with musicians and, and celebrities and, and politicians and porn people, some of the most honest, hardworking, respectable people I have ever met in my entire life. I got to completely know? agree with you. Uh, being in the industry, yeah. it is a little family, and yeah. it, it, it's it's so nice how welcoming it is when it's like, oh my god, you're in the industry, you're on board, come on in and talk to us. And I'm like, oh, okay, yeah, yeah little me. <laughs> yeah, no, it's not little you. We're you're part of a tribe now, you know, and and that's the thing is that I think we're freer spirits. Maybe I think we're much more open and trusting people. Um, there's a few bad apples, but you get that in any, any, any industry, any, yeah. But, um, you know, the bad apples kind of come and go, you know, they're not around long. The people who have been doing this for years and stick around, they're in it for the long haul and they're in it to make a better industry and, and be the best performers or directors or writers or anything that they can. And, um, and those are the people that I love. Like I said, we, we, we tend to want to take care of each other and and that's what i love about this industry is that we can do that we do we 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 look out for one another we love each other we take care of each other and we're a tribe we've found our tribe and i think when you find out the amount of work the actors go through 
when I went ahead and I had a talk um, with uh, Adrian. Oh, I can't remember her Shensky? name. Shensky, yeah. yeah. And she was explaining um, about how she did a scene where the room was kept at 60 degrees, so everything's perky. It was an anal scene, yeah. so she hadn't eaten in 15 hours. And there's 15 other uh-huh. people in the room waiting on you, you know, all focusing on you. And it's like, that is not relaxing sex. That is performance. No, I always tell people, too, I'm like, they are actually working for that paycheck, you know. And, and that's the other thing, too, is that, you know, there's a difference between porn sex and, and regular sex. Porn sex um, is done part by professionals. Like, I want to say, do not try this at home. You know, but many will. You can experiment with some stuff, yeah. But the bottom line is that you have to remember that what looks good on camera might not necessarily feel good. And what might feel really good doesn't translate well to the camera, you know? <laughs> so um, these are people, like I said, they're, they're performers. They are performing. They're performing a task. They're performing a job. And they are really damn good at it. And I didn't mean to swear if you don't want me to swear. Sorry. Oh, no, no. That. We always make it explicit. <laughs> we want everyone to be, feel as comfortable as possible and swear and cuss because that's what adults do. We swear and cuss. Oh, I would I drop F-bombs like they're water, so. <laughs> well, throw out a fuck yeah. and we'll all feel comfortable. <laughs> so. Yeah. So, um, yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm definitely one of those where it's like, you know, fuck you, you fucking fuck. So, yeah. <laughs> but, uh, but these are people, like I said, they, you know, I work hard and I train to become a journalist. Well, these are people that work hard and they're training their bodies and taking care of their bodies like professional athletes and, you know, other actors in Hollywood, it's no different. You know, they're doing a job and, you know, you might think you could do it. Eh, Probably not (laughs) because, you know, these are people, like I said, they've worked up to it and they deserve respect. They are the best at this craft and, and they deserve every standing ovation. They deserve for people to pay for their porn. Um, Stop stealing it on tube sites. And they deserve to be, yeah, they, they deserve to be recognized for the effort that they put into this. It's, it's not just, you know, it might be a 20-minute scene that you watch. That 20-minute scene probably took anywhere from two to six hours minimum to shoot. And it took more than the people that you see on the screen. And even before that, it took, like you said, a lot of preparation. You know, watching what you eat, watching when you eat, watching, you know, keeping your, your body exercised to be toned and things like that. These, these people are doing this around the clock, 24-7, and they deserve every bit of recognition for that. Because if it wasn't for them, you know, and, and if it wasn't for the sex toy designers and things like that, I wouldn't have a job. So, yay them. Yeah, and half the time people forget that they've pushed the envelope with technology and limits. I mean, this is why we have the smartphones with big screens, okay? Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Well, and that's the thing. I mean, you know, it's funny because they always say that it's like every technological, anything that comes out new, any new invention, somebody's going to find a way to use it in porn or sex some way, you know, and and that's what's led to a lot of things. I mean, you know, VHS tapes came out and everybody realized, oh, you know what, we can make our own porn, (laughs) you know, or we can buy it instead of having to go stand in line at a theater and things like that. And, you know, to this day, well... I still have a VCR player. Well, it's a VHS and not a beta because porn went with VHS. And, you know, when they, once porn went to VHS, that was it. Everybody had VHS instead of beta. 
you know, Blu-ray, same thing. Porn mm-hmm. went with Blu-ray as opposed to HD DVD. When's the last time you heard anything about HD DVD? Or so, LaserDisc. Yeah, yeah, exactly. But porn, you know, it, it might not be the innovator, but a lot of times it's the decider. Porn and Disney, that's the two. <laughs> like, when there is a new format that comes out, wait to see what porn and Disney pick and then go with that one. So... Good to know. <laughs> this is awesome. We've had so much fun, Sherry. Thank you so very much for being on the show. Thank we appreciate you. it. I'm so glad you guys asked me. Thank you. I love it. Thank you. Yeah, because, you know, like with our format, our show, we talk about human sexuality. I want everything of human sexuality. I don't care what it is. And, like, when I see half your posts and half the people you're stalking and your commentaries, I'm like, I want her on my show. I need the comedy aspect of the writing, of writing porn or reviewing toys. So it's just fantastic. Thank you. I appreciate that. Like I said, you know, it's it's, it's not all porn all the time, but... There's a lot of crossover in my personal life, so. But, yeah, I'm a big geek, and, and so I just happen to be a really big sex geek, too. So that works to my advantage. <laughs> awesome. And how can people find you? Um, the best way is on Twitter. I'm at Share, which is A as an Apple, V as in Victor, N as in Nancy, and then S-H-E-R. Um, and that's probably about the best way to find me. I and mean, you can also find my stories and, and articles and sex toy reviews and movie reviews and all that on avn.com. That's our website. Awesome. Well, thank you very much for being on the show. You can find me everywhere as Miss Angelique Luna. And then Living a Sex Positive Life is on social media. We're also on iTunes, Spreaker, YouTube. Uh, and then you can find Hubby at? Uh, I'm let's see I live on Facebook and Twitter most of the time say hi send me some questions but I do want to mention one quick shout out for our uh, sponsor the woodshed and that is they're going to be having an open house if you are in the Florida area on the 29th and we'll be broadcasting live from there so you could ask us questions answer trivia and do some fun stuff there but we're going to have groups from the National Leather Association, uh, was the Orlando Power Exchange, Submissive uh, Safe Space, Dojo People, um, was it Orlando Munch, Orlando uh, Rope Bite, Fox and Foggers. We have a whole bunch, and it's going to be down at the woodshed, like I said, on the 29th, all day on a Saturday. And we hope to see everyone there. Thanks, everyone. Have a good evening. Good night. Good night.